The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a half-chewed wad of gum rolled in hair to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. <laughs> I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the zero-sum fallacy. And I don't know exactly how that half-chewed wad of gum <laughs> tastes. It's that, it's that kind of bazooka joe odd <laughs> flavor where it goes kind of orange mm. and it's, yeah 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 oh. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> yes, it's exactly that isn't it so <laughs> so God. the zero sum fallacy is yeah. when someone assumes that gains and losses in a specific situation are directly balanced when actually right. they're not so they're applying yep. zero sum thinking to a situation that yep. doesn't warrant it right so in a typical zero sum scenario if someone gets a thing it's because someone else has lost that thing like if we have a a number of apples and i give you an apple i've lost an apple and you've gained an apple right and that's there's no nothing else going on in that situation and sometimes people try to simplify more complex situations into that kind of thinking because Mm -hmm. it's easier it's easy to think about like that. And sometimes it it seems, it feels intuitively like that. Right. And it's politically expedient to do so because yeah. you could get people on your side if, if you're the aggrieved Apple-less party. Yeah. Right. And Trump goes through his life feeling like <laughs> yeah. this is a zero-sum yeah, game yeah. in life. And if yeah. in order for him to win, someone else has to lose. Mm. And... Yeah. One of the ways that he thinks about it like that is with trade. We're losing $500 billion a year with China. We're losing $58 billion a year with Mexico. We're losing over $100 billion a year with Japan. And every single country, no matter what name a country, we lose. We don't win anymore. We're going to start winning. We're going to win with trade. We're going to win with our military. We're going to start winning again. And we've talked about this a few times. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. he's wrong, obviously, about this. <laughs> yes. Trading with another country does not mean they win and you lose if you give yeah. them money for things. Going to war with another country might involve <laughs> can do. that. But, yeah, can but, do. But, but 
just trading, giving them <laughs> money and getting things in return. Yeah. Is, I mean, it, is it, it losing? Well, you can kind of see how you might think that it's zero sum. If you are giving a person or a country an amount of money and they are giving you a thing worth that amount of money, yeah. the total of that transaction is zero, essentially. You have lost right. a, a thing worth an amount of money and gained a thing worth exactly the same amount of money. Yeah. But that's not how trade deals work because no one would ever trade anything if that was what was going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the point yeah. is the thing you're getting for that money that you're spending inherently has to be worth to you more than the money. Yeah. Otherwise you'd keep the money. You want the thing more. That's why yeah. you give them the money. And you try to do it in such a way that you feel like you're spending less yeah. and getting more. So actually most trade arrangements feel like a gain. They have to on both sides. Than a loss. They have yeah. to because otherwise yeah. no one would do would the do trades. It, it yeah. has to work in a way where each side is getting something out of that situation. Mm. And mm. In terms of global trade, the country is getting more out of it because, for example, if people in your country want a thing and you can get yeah. it from another country cheaper than you can make it in your own country, yeah. then what that results in is your consumers, US consumers, having more money to spend on other things in the US yeah. because they've bought the thing they needed cheaper. So they've got lots of money left over to buy... Other things. Other things, absolutely. Some and things they might not the economy. need. Yes, exactly. Some things they might not be, have thought that they needed it because yeah. they couldn't afford it. If you put tariffs yeah. on goods and make US importers pay those tariffs, thereby raising the price of those products to a level where what you're hoping, it seems, is that it'll, they'll become unsustainably expensive and it'll be cheaper to make those things in your own country. What you've done is taken money away from the US consumer and made the economy worse. Yeah. That's still not a zero-sum game. You're just doing it badly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you have to, um, what you have to do in order to do that is employ all sorts of rhetoric and the zero-sum fallacy uh -huh. in public speaking to get people to go, yeah, we're all going to start winning again. But, but who, who, who is winning? <laughs> no, no, nobody. Where's the winning going on? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Another place where Trump and many on the right, in fact, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to be too generalist, but, but white people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, have, an, have an issue is with racism. There was a Harvard study yeah. that showed that white people, particularly, particularly, especially kind of Christian and uh, Republicans and, and those kinds of white people, but white yeah. people as a whole. See, yeah. see racism and its progression over the years as a zero-sum game. As they right. see the effects of racism on black people getting less problematic, getting, getting better for black people, mm -hmm. they see racism reducing, yeah. they see a corresponding rise in what they consider to be racism against white people, which is right. essentially just yeah. them losing their inherent privilege. Or not even yeah, losing yeah, it, yeah. just having it slightly reduced, and that's, yeah, or having it pointed out, yeah, absolutely. and having to and and being made to feel a little bit uncomfortable about it, or being made aware of it, yeah. even. So when they yes, grasp these, theory, these yeah. kind of you know how how much of a problem is racism against black people versus how much of a problem is racism against white people, when you ask white people that question, the two lines kind of correspond to each other. They they. Yeah 
are proportional. Right. Where it's now got to the point where a, a, an upsettingly large number of white people think, yeah, white people are there's much more racism against white people. That's way worse of a problem than racism against black people now because they're yeah. fucking idiots. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> that's where you get yeah. Yeah. things yeah. like this. All right, folks. You're going to hear it once. All lives matter. All lives matter. I love that he well, says you're going to hear it once it's and a, then says it twice. He says it twice, yeah. But, but also there's that, that roar of self-congratulatory white people mm-hmm. on the right. It's just terrifying, isn't it? And, and also it's terrifying that the supreme leader of a country just adopts the racist approach. Yeah. Thinks, he thinks it's fine. Well, that's because he's been brought up like that. So he knows absolutely that that's, that's the case and it's fine. And these uppity protesters who are maintaining that there's, yeah, you know, 200 years of, of suppression. Huh. And you think your life's right. Cause the, cause the thought is if you, if we extend the rights to other human beings who aren't in our group, then that means somehow it reduces our rights. Yeah. That's absolutely the thing. Cause they see black lives matter as people saying black lives matter and white lives don't matter. Yeah, black That's, lives matter is, more than white yeah, lives. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. which uh, yeah. I'm going to say, but for a, an extremely small number of people who are saying black lives matter, thinking that maybe, possibly, I'm not ruling it out. Um, yeah. The vast yeah. majority of people who are saying it, just uh, there's a tacit also in there. Black lives yeah. also matter. That's what they yeah. mean. Yeah. Is is uh, Everyone only, knows yeah. white lives yeah. matter. That's been made very clear to us. Also, yeah. Black Lives Matter, and and yeah. people like Trump are like, "Whoa, don't go too far." That's yeah. a bit much. That's a bit, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what what happened next? We, we will get our privileges pointed out yeah. to us, and that's 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 awful. During the BLM protests in the UK, my next door neighbour did say, "Yeah, my," and he kind of tried to include me in his group by his tribe against his son who had said, yeah, my son told me that if I say all lives matter, that's racist. And, you know, in a kind of leaning on it, you know, expecting me to go, yeah. and I went, well, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah absolutely it is. He's completely right. <laughs> You're racist. Yeah, <laughs> which, which shut him up somewhat. And uh, I don't think he understood it. He just, un- he just knew to to change the subject <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't understand why uh, that was racist he just wanted to complain that he was being called a racist yeah yeah and and some yeah. people who don't understand that are supreme court justices <laughs> what <laughs> who just uh, a couple of weeks ago just before yeah. our last episode yeah stopped affirmative action happening <sighs> on very yeah. much this basis yeah. On basically saying, you know, if you're taking, uh, if you're giving any group a benefit, that means you're taking a benefit away from another group. They have to lose in order yeah. for the disadvantaged group that you're trying to bring up somewhere up to closer the, to, to equity. The level of the, yeah. Um, that, yeah. That's not acceptable. And in uh, the oral arguments that happened earlier on in this case, uh, this was an exchange with Justice Alito. Race in itself may be considered a plus factor. Yes, Your Honor. And therefore, those who don't get the plus factor have what is essentially a negative factor. No, not the, It's not the same thing? 
No, Your Honor, it's not, because it's looking at the whole applicant uh, as they apply within their whole application and their resume, et cetera. Suppose you have a race. Two people are in a race. And uh, you give a plus factor to one of the runners. So that runner gets to start. Uh, well, if it's a 100-yard yard dash, let's say it gets to start five yards closer to the finish line. Uh, the one who doesn't get that plus factor is disadvantaged, right? That would be in that case, but that case is not here. It's actually kind of impressive that Alito uses that as an analogy, given yeah. how quite widespread that analogy is yeah. in explaining the disadvantages yeah. of minority people in society. Yeah. The use of a race scenario of saying, okay, if you have this privilege move five metres closer to the five step forward yeah. finish line. And if you have this privilege, move move closer and so on and so on. Yeah. Until the privileged white, cis, het, male people end up basically at the finish line at the beginning of the race. And then you go, right, now go. Yeah. 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 And that is yeah. what affirmative action tries to address. A, a yeah. Incredibly small attempt. And it doesn't yeah. work. It absolutely doesn't do enough in any way yeah. to... Yeah counteract the kind of historical oppression and, the, and the, the generational differences. And they're taking that away. They've taken it away based on the fact that the recognition that there are disadvantages that are inherent in society yeah. between different races is in itself racist. And Yeah. Well, yeah, but it, well, yes, it's, it's legislating to get rid of having to do anything about the privileged position of white people in yeah. America. I mean, that's the thing. We're, we're like less than 60 years since the civil rights yeah. movement and the very beginnings of things start starting to make a difference. And so what you're doing is you're putting up people who are from literally generations of people who went to university yeah. against people who two generations ago, their ancestors weren't allowed to go to school in the same places. Yeah. They weren't allowed to be taught yeah. by the people who went to university. Yeah. And and expecting then that 60 years later to say, well, it's a level playing field now, isn't it? It's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't need fine to worry now. about that now. And in and fact, it, if we do if we do start worrying about that, what that does yeah. is is unlevel it that for disadvantages us. Disadvantages us. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, yeah. that one of the um there were two universities that were involved in this case. One was Harvard and one was the University of North Carolina. University of North Carolina has 40 criteria that factor into whether someone gets admitted. Mm -hmm. And affirmative action was one of them. Now it isn't. But yeah. others, like, for example, the requirement to have people from every county in North Carolina, including very rural counties, which are almost exclusively white... Yeah. Um, are hugely advantaging those people. Yeah. Those yeah. demographics. And yet yeah. that isn't that, in any way addressed and over. isn't seen as no. an issue. No, and, weirdly. And yeah. the thing is, if you kind of just simplify it, you can see when they've, they've mentioned zero-sum games several times in, in both the oral arguments and mm -hmm. in the decision, and yeah. you can see where they're coming from in, in the simplest terms in as much as if there is a set number of places at university and you score one person slightly higher and they get that place, someone else is missing out on that place. Right. You can see that that, if you just look at that, could yeah. be called a zero-sum game because yeah. there's a set number of places and if someone gets it, someone else doesn't get it. 
Yeah. But the proper use of zero sum is that those that gain and loss has to be equal. Yes. And the gain of a, a black or minority or disadvantaged student getting a place at a prestigious university is not equal to the yeah. loss of yet another privileged yeah. white person getting that place. Yeah. The gain of that to society... And going to Harvard instead. Yes. ...is extremely much higher, not only yeah. because... The studies have shown that all students in a more diverse class do better. They are that it's better to be among diverse people in a classroom. You get a more diversity of thought and more engagement of of different ideas and and different ways of looking at things and an understanding of society as a whole better yeah. than yeah. if you're with people who are all exactly the same as you. But also, yeah. <laughs> society yeah. benefits yeah. from representation of minorities in positions of power whether it's doctors or lawyers or politicians or judges more doctors who are minorities mean less minorities getting dismissed because they are not treated the same way as a white patient and all of that stuff benefits society as a whole society generally gets better and better the more you allow diversity to get into more areas and especially areas which are going to then result in privilege, like Ivy League universities. Yeah, but isn't there also a commensurate uh, increase in people tending to, in those kind of more diverse environments, tend to vote less for the right? Well, because they have a... So it's a, it, all of it, you know, far be it from us to dwell in, harbour, propagate conspiracy theories it's you know sometimes can be seen to be a massive project on the part of the right wing to protect their privilege for themselves by switching off every single avenue that would that might threaten that yeah and where better to do it through education either that or they're massive racists or both or both. Probably both. I think, I it's always don't both, think, isn't it? It's I think both. otherwise that's a zero-sum yeah. thing, isn't it? You can either <laughs> yeah, be yeah. a racist or you yeah. can be a, no, a conspiratorial <laughs> right-winger. Yeah, so it's perfectly possible to be a both. It doesn't lessen the <laughs> gene pool one way or another, unfortunately. And now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics corner. So it's quite interesting, actually, that we opened with the trade arrangements because Sunak was on a plane going to a meeting with Joe Biden to talk about trading relationship between the UK and the US, basically because we haven't got anything since we left the EU. And so he's desperately after that. Also, I think it meant that he could avoid a key vote on the conduct of Boris Johnson. But anyway, on the plane, he had said uh, in reaction to some of the subsidies that were being offered in the US to promote more green-oriented initiatives, that he was against that because that's kind of sort of zero-sum because it means if you're subsidising that, then other people will lose out. So the people who are making initiatives uh, and not getting qualified for the subsidy might end up not benefiting mainly because what he wants to be able to do is export British-made electric cars to the US. So under the green measures in the US, he doesn't want that to be what is 
pretty much a kind of protectionist viewpoint. But he only said that on the plane to Washington. To Biden's face, he said this. I'd say I'm absolutely of the view that the United States, this president, does not believe in zero-sum competition amongst allies. That's what we declared together with our G7 partners just a few weeks ago in Hiroshima. Uh, This is a president and an administration that is completely attuned to the needs and concerns of its allies on these issues, and you can see that. Today, as the president said, we are launching negotiations between the UK and the US on a critical minerals agreement. Which kind of is basically um, techno-speak for electric cars. So uh, note the use of amongst allies... And this is because Sunak is all for actually following the US in thinking that China's gain in the technology sector, specifically chip manufacturing, means the US's and the UK's loss. And famously, the UK government blocked the Chinese takeover of the UK's biggest chip plant in November 2022 via Huawei for security reasons. Having This is only six months after they said, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Then the US under Trump said, oh, no, China, and um, we can't do that because that's affecting the US manufacturing of chips. Not that they had one. So they they blocked that for security reasons. Downey Street in the city was for a purely technical decision forced by US sanctions imposed by Donald Trump on the mm-hmm. security, security grounds in May, which meant that the security and resilience of network reliant on Huawei. So basically our 5G network is run on... Huawei stuff. They can't now make a factory. And uh, Oliver Dowden in July 2020 announced the fact that telecoms companies would have to dismantle the 5G network and take out the Huawei components, which would cost two billion pounds. This is Oliver Dowden talking about that ban. The UK can no longer be confident it will be able to guarantee the security of future Huawei 5G equipment affected by the change in US foreign direct product rules. Which is an enormous word salad, which (laughs) seems that we've got to do this because we're desperate for a deal with the US because we no longer part of, we have no power now that we've left the EU trading bloc. Whose fucking fault is that there? Exactly exactly the same administration. Yes. And Liu Xiaoming, China's ambassador to London, said it's become questionable whether the UK can provide an open, fair and non-discriminatory business environment for companies from other countries. Basically, the UK is buying into the zero-sum thing, which, despite having said... We have a marvellous relationship with China and you know, have all that open, open trading stuff only six months pr- prior to Trump being elected and taking umbrage at China and inventing the trade deficit stuff that we heard earlier. The UK is like the little kid that stands behind the, the bully and just goes, yeah, like that leans out and kind of goes, yeah, you tell him, I'll hold your coat. But even though Liu Xiaoming said that, even within the UK, the one semiconductor, or I think there are two semiconductor manufacturers in the UK, ARM and Pragmatic, and Pragmatic have incorporated itself as a US operation in order to qualify for funding from Joe Biden's $54 billion microchip subsidy scheme. We've got a $1 billion 
$1,500 microchip subsidy scheme. And the founder said, from a logical perspective, it's no reason for us to be a UK company. We don't have the biggest markets. We don't have the most attractive environment for scaling manufacturing. We don't have a strong skills base. If you started this with a blank sheet of paper, you would start in another place. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, if I were you, I wouldn't start from here. <laughs> and somebody sensible, the US Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, noted this April that the risks of geopoliticizing technology are that international cooperation in critical areas like clean energy and drug discovery will suffer and the whole world will lose out. So if you start saying, oh, well, see, their gain will mean our loss in that sector. So what we'll do is subsidize our sector. And the same is happening in the UK, even though we haven't got one, we haven't got an end-to-end chip manufacturing sector. Rather than trade with china and say okay yeah please yeah do come put your factories here that'll be fine at one point we were going to get them to build nuclear power stations and then it all just got zero summy so consequently we've lost out under the auspices of joining in with the zero sum thing that's the problem is that you actually lose out so and the world suffers as as a whole. A bit like the the parallel with the university entrance, the the whole world suffers. But you know the right wing doesn't do large, broad, wide thinking. And the second example to underline that one, um, Sunak is quite happy to politicise education, if not technology. <laughs> and I think he he labours ha ha under the zero sum misapprehension that unless. And only if university courses lead to measurable earnings, then they should be shut down. Here's his announcement about their new initiative. Now, for many people, university is the right answer and it does brilliantly. But actually, there are a range of people who are being let down by the current system. They're being taken advantage of with low quality courses that don't lead to a a job that makes it worth it, leaves them financially worse off. What the regulator will do is look at a range of different outcomes for courses. So what kind of jobs are students going on to? Do they complete the course? How much do they earn uh, in later life? And on the basis of all of that, they'll be able to figure out, well, hang on, that course actually isn't delivering value for money. I mean, we've got a situation at the moment where around half of people to go to, who go to university don't end up paying back the cost of that degree. Now, that costs the taxpayer money. So we need to make sure the system is not just fair for students and they're getting the right outcome, but it's also fair for taxpayers. The zero sum being employed here is that unless you go to university and do a course that delivers your ability to make money, then you're not being served well. Then it's not worth doing. They're couching it in terms of if it leads to earnings, it's good. If it doesn't lead to earnings, it's bad. And we're letting the... Well, if it, le- le- if it leads to earnings, it, they get their money back. Yeah, that's yeah, what it is. Yeah, that's they it's get, exactly they that. They get yeah. money into the treasury. Because it's about the, the oh, only so about twenty about twenty seven percent of student loans are being repaid in full. Yeah, because of it. the way they designed the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we're not gonna let you go to university, we're not gonna let you down because you'll be saddled with forty five thousand pounds worth of debt for a degree that doesn't earn you any money. So we're letting you down, we're letting the system down, we're letting the taxpayers down, none of which is true. No, it's the individual all about student, how do we get our money back? If a student goes and does a course like you did, like philosophy, mm-hmm. which doesn't mm-hmm. earn you any money at all and give, has mm-hmm. no prospects whatsoever, yep. then, then <laughs> yeah. you know, it, that, that's, you get the experience of going to university, you get to learn all that stuff, you never Damn have me. to pay your money back because you, yes. uh, you never earn enough. 
So, yeah. so you're not saddled with something no. like that because what it doesn't you include. <laughs> yes, what it doesn't include is what about going to university just for the university experience? Yeah. How about measuring that? And the 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 thing is right. These new thoughts he's putting in is estimated to begin recouping 61% in the future. Also, it means that it would do away with the likes of, say, mm, Boris Johnson, who got a scholarship to study literae humaniores at Balliol College. Four-year course, studied ancient languages, literature, history and philosophy. I'm coming around to the idea, actually. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I'll get rid of that. So, does that hinder your possibility of earnings, given that in February... He earned two point five million as an advance for doing after dinner speeches, uh, and unfortunately, it wouldn't do away with the likes of Sunak, who did PPE in two thousand and one. Now, you know, PPE, he, not uh, not personal not, protective no, equipment. No, philosophy, politics, and economics. Okay, and he's the highest earning MP in the history of MPs ever. Both multimillionaires, both shit PMs. Is he but, highest earning, or is he just? It's worth, high, yeah, net worth. Because he, he started yeah. out before he went to university. He started yeah. out with a ridiculous amount of money, and then he married well too. So yes, yeah, his course didn't lead him to earning what he what he's earned. He hasn't earned because he did philosophy, politics, and no. economics. He hasn't. That's not led to his earnings. He's earned because he was born into a wealthy family. He was paid to go to Winchester School. He went to university and then he married into a wealthy family. Nothing to do with his education at university. So that's a bad example. Boris is a bad example. What did Kate Middleton do at St Andrews, I wonder? Oh, yeah, there you go. Did that, yeah. what did, did that help her get to be one of the... Bumped into <laughs> yeah. Wills yeah. 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 at a party. Yeah, yeah. Now exactly. part of one of the wealthiest families in the world. Okay, quite. Yeah. But what that leads us to think is another, possibly another zero sum thinking. Well, why not just do away with the loan system altogether? Yeah. Yeah. Rather than do away with undeserving courses, who gets to decide that? Undeserving, do away with those. And that way we'll get the taxpayers. They basically, they, they invented a system that then yeah. a, a certain number of years later went, oh, this system isn't working. Let's make it much worse. Yeah, let's bl- let's, <laughs> let's not blame stop the doing this or let's fix it doing it or anything yeah. like that. No, yeah. let's take away some of the advantages <laughs> that people still get under this system. <laughs> yeah, let's do, do away with that. And also in the in the process, let's control the education system so that we're limiting people's experience <laughs> so that they won't question us and uh-huh. they'll continue to vote Tory. Yeah, they're playing the long game. And you know, um, where's Keir Starmer? to jump up and go, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, Sir Keir Starmer. I don't want to talk about the by-election votes. It should have been three. <laughs> now it's history. I played all my cards Be happy that we've won too There's nothing more to say There's no more is to play Winner takes it all The loser's standing small Beside the victory 
that's my destiny And I met with Tony Blair Thinking I belong there I figured it made sense Sitting on the fence But I didn't know Boris was so strong there And I was a fool Not heeding the rules The winner tells it all Fallacies in the wild The winner takes it all The loser standing small The winner takes it all The loser has to fall The winner takes it Keir Starmer there with Abba's The Winner Takes It All, the ultimate zero-sum song. Excellent choice. So you're just doing the whole songs now, are you? You're just doing the entire thing. Just doing the entire thing. <laughs> yeah, well, why you not? Write a set of lyrics. Like oh, that's just, not like a, just this thing, yeah. really. No, it's not really it's gradually gone. I think the whole of... <laughs> The whole of the podcast has become a sting uh-huh. for the, yeah. the, the like the introduction to the main act. I'm which waiting is for American sting. Pie, the kind of eight-minute <laughs> exactly. version. Yeah, yeah. I right. think I'm going to do uh, Hotel hey, California. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or or uh, oh, Superman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he can't, he, he's got a lot to say on yeah, here. Yeah. 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 So, in the fallacy in the wild, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective. And our first example this week comes from House MD. Yay. And uh, this is uh, an early season one uh, with his original team, Foreman Chase and Cameron, and uh, he sets up this problem for them. I've been told that i got to get rid of one of you guys by the end of the week. New sheriff, belt tightening. You know how it goes. Okay, carry on. Some kind of game. House's own version of punked. It's not House, it's Vogler. We can't let it get to us, we've got to stick together. Why? What are you suggesting, we start slashing each other's throats? I'm suggesting it's a zero-sum game. Your loss is my win. That's not conducive to team play. Which is what House seems to want. Come with Cameron. Maybe a bad strategy, but I don't want to give House that satisfaction. So, mm-hmm. in some workplaces, mm-hmm. Chase yeah. might be right that this is a zero-sum game. If, if one of yeah. them is going to go, then, you know, there's no there's no benefit to them banding together there's no you know they should just assume that that they are all competing for a limited number of places yeah. but this is house and house first of all never does what he's told by the authorities no. at all <laughs> no. and also no. as foreman suggested quite likes just making them fight for his own amusement yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they've spotted that quite early on yeah. in the early series. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so the suggestion from Chase that this is, you know, that that's the situation is not necessarily the case. He he might be overstating how simplified this case is, and yeah. and the others are wise to be wary about it and think, well, maybe there's something else going on. Maybe he's not going to end up getting rid of anyone. And of course, yeah, this yeah. cast stayed for a while. So, yeah. So it didn't, yeah. So what did he achieve by it? Just they got to see how evil and wicked house really <laughs> well, it is. Was, it was the... an instruction from the new uh, kind of head of the hospital. But, yeah. Um, but he was kind of the, the 
the baddie of that series, and then obviously has uh, right, uh, yeah, it's uh, a hero, you know, bringing him he, down, yeah, as the, yeah, 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 cynical hero. Uh, so yeah, because there is that. There is. I did once do a job interview where all the candidates took part in a kind of site visit. I can't remember what <laughs> organization. Like a, what's like it? a Kumite. Yeah. Like a yeah. battle royale. <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. He had to be dragged behind a Last truck. Last man standing against the yeah, Climb over there, you drink a <laughs> pint of milk yeah, without it coming out of your eyes. And uh, Well, it was kind of like that. And you know, you, So you found yourself, and I've seen parallels in the likes of medical dramas where there's all the students fighting to the front with a clipboard trying to ask mm. the question, to be, trying to be seen to be asking the question. And if, of course, if you if you don't ask, then the no, the thought is, well, if I don't ask, that's a gain for somebody else who is asking. Uh-huh. So not only are they winning one point for asking, I'm losing one for not asking. Didn't get that job, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> somehow someone has some bright spark about all the questions. Yeah. <laughs> so our second example comes from Northern Exposure. Ah, oh, excellent. Uh, yeah. late 80s drama yeah yeah and this is uh, Joel and Maggie two of the main uh, leads in the series are yeah. kind of trying to have a relationship and they are very competitive and a, kind of <laughs> a bit abrasive with each other and Joel finally kind of figures out what's going on they used to make a, a fortune shoveling sidewalks when I was a kid the faster you shovel the more you may oh yeah yeah that's impressive Flash but I'm impressed take my way to Camp Kwamba one summer yeah, well, my dad used to say, pay Maggie by the hour, pay Jeffy by the job. Hey. What? Look at us. Why'd you stop? We're actually racing. We're, we're, we're having a race to stack your wood. We are, aren't we? This is unbelievable. You know... I'll tell you something. I think we do this with everything. I think, I think everything between us becomes a competition. It does. Yeah, don't you think? I mean, half the time we're together, we're, we're trying to ace the other one out. Well, what am I supposed to do? Just let you win? That's what I mean. It doesn't feel healthy. If somebody wins or somebody loses, who cares? Yeah. We did it the other night when we had popcorn. Remember? And we got all bent as to who had the fewest old maids? <laughs> that was kind of sick. I mean, we, we should really be cheering each other on and reveling in, in each other's successes. Yeah. I like the mm-hmm. line from Maggie in the middle, though. You know, what am I supposed to do? Just let you win? Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. It just sort of, even in talking about it, it turns into a competition, yeah. Yeah, So yeah. Yeah, this is a common thing that happens in interpersonal relationships, whether it's a romantic relationship or, or a, a business one, is is you get you fall into this mindset of, if I don't win, then it's not okay. You know, I, the, the, yep. I have to compete to to show that i'm the best or to be the the fastest or to be the the best at complaining or whatever it is and it becomes a competition and yeah the ideal as joel said is is working together and and appreciating each other's success and holding each other up how easy is that how often does it happen yeah 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 because actually if you see somebody else's success being successful yeah 
that's the other way around is is that you you feel a failure yourself so you end you end up that which is the plot for star is born <laughs> isn't it ultimately yeah. isn't it so for somebody who's that seen that well, if you're successful then i'm not so i've got to fight to be more successful so you end up being competitive rather than your success is your success and i'm part of that and my successes are my successes and you're part of that they're not they don't take something away from the other one whether it's in if you're working together in a in a business sense or if you're in a romantic relationship or anything you know, just or even with your siblings, mm-hmm. that's probably the hardest one because yeah, yeah. that's all that seems to There's be inherent all... competition. It seems, yeah, isn't it? yeah. Some somehow, whereas actually, what you want to be able to do, and maybe that's maybe that gets reached in adulthood. I'm just thinking about Trump. It doesn't. <laughs> just in that you just think, oh, actually, yeah, your successes are much more different than than mine, and they that's great. It, it's just galling when your brother starts working in the in the in the business in the sector that you're working in you go no that's my sector stop it stop it and and any success is just Mm -hmm. ah yeah feels yes not that that's happened to me obviously (laughs) no no no. purely hypothetical yeah 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 (laughs) so um our final example is from a documentary series called this giant beast that is the global economy Uh, and it was cal penn going around kind of exploring different aspects of the economy. This episode was basically questioning, do you have to be a dick to be successful? Right. And so they found a dick (laughs) who is successful. Do you have to be like that? And asked him these kinds of questions. What are some of the things that make people successful and why? Um, Shamelessness. Quite frankly, you have to be an asshole. Like, the founders of Uber needed to realize they were going to piss off a lot of cab drivers. But then again, in 2018, hailing a cab just doesn't really work. I mean, look at what Airbnb has done to the hospitality industry. Oh, this dick may have a point. Winning at business does mean someone else loses. Uber may have saved everyone a fortune in DUI fines, but it also cost thousands of cab drivers their livelihoods. And Airbnb is a great way to make some extra cash by letting strangers treat your home the way Led Zeppelin treated hotel rooms. But you can't hose off the damage Airbnb has done to the hospitality industry. Again, this is a massive oversimplification. Yeah. And weirdly, just kind of 10 minutes later, they have a whole section about Adam Smith's views on competition benefiting Mm -hmm. the industry as a whole and benefiting society and the consumer getting... A plus from yeah, from yeah. a new company entering or a new disruptive kind of company entering yeah. a market, therefore requiring the older companies, which were just kind of coasting by and charging high prices, yeah. to start to, to think innovating about and, being more and being a bit more customer focused. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's yeah. good for everyone. It's good for the industry yeah. and it's good for the consumer. And yet mm. in this section, they're like, oh, yeah, Airbnb. Oh, yeah. They, they, you can't do well without someone else losing out. Yeah. And it's just not true. I mean, yes, absolutely. The hospitality industry has taken a hit from Airbnb yeah. and the taxi yeah. industry took a hit, probably a bigger one, from Uber. Yeah. But it's not a one-to-one relationship. It's not zero yeah. sum. With Airbnb, there have been a, a huge number of studies on this kind of thing and they've found various different things, but none of them have found that hotels have, have lost out to the same extent that Airbnb has grown. Um, mm. For one thing, hotels can list on Airbnb. 
So so the people yeah. who use Airbnb as a service can find hotel rooms in among the options in a given city. The yeah. places where Airbnb has had the greatest impact is are in high demand cities where there sometimes isn't enough hotel room capacity for the number of people. Mm. You know, often the hotels are all booked out. And yeah. that means that Airbnb has essentially expanded the capacity in that in that city for yeah, people yeah, to yeah, stay. Yeah. yeah. One study found that uh, while hotel room hotel revenues would be one and a half percent higher without the presence of Airbnb, so they've had to drop their prices a bit to compete, between forty two and sixty three percent of Airbnb guests would not have resulted in hotel bookings if Airbnb were not available. So they've only ah. booked a stay because yeah. Airbnb is an option. Yeah. It's not that if they couldn't book with Airbnb, they would have found a hotel room necessarily. Mm. Certainly for a lot of these times. And also the 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 focus well in in this and in the zero sum in that documentary and the zero sum argument, the focus is between the rival providers yeah. it's not it's not actually where it ought to be, which is the service being provided to the customer that's the the real focus, so it doesn't yeah it ignores the import, it ignores the, the benefits bit. to the consumer of competition yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's because they're in service to the customer, and yeah. whether that the, whether the taxi service as a whole, the taxi business isn't set up just to support yellow cab drivers in New York or black cab drivers in London. Yeah, the the, the ultimate aim is to provide passengers with a means to get somewhere at a moment's notice. Absolutely, that's, and with taxis, the, the, the the taxi industry hadn't changed. For decades, no, nothing had not changed. Since, so there was no drawn. need for it. To, yeah, because there was no competition. And so, and um, so it yeah. didn't matter whether they served served the customer well or not. Yeah. And when Uber came along, it was patently obvious that they hadn't been served well. Yeah. Because Uber filled this gap that people just went, "Oh, that's much better." <laughs> that's, yeah. And, and again, they haven't taken away as much as they've added to the um, availability of of rides. There are certain. I mean, I've done journeys with uber that i wouldn't have taken a taxi for because yeah. it's because it's quick and easy to yeah. kind of get it on your app yeah. and um you know i would have taken public transport or walked or whatever yeah um but i'm just like oh I might as well but yeah but that isn't taking away some work for for a taxi driver and i'm sure no. that i'm not alone in that and yeah. uh, and also just in things like the the different aspects of the uber business like ability to know who you're getting and for that person to have reviews and all of that kind yeah, of stuff yeah. drives innovation within the industry and and forces the taxi mm. companies if they want to compete to change and become more uh customer focused valuable yeah. to the customers yeah yeah because yeah. because the, the it's Yes, it's it's the error to focus on the businesses that are providing the service rather than the service itself. When I I uh, so I'm in France at the moment. I played in a in a band over here, and we were commissioned to play a gig on Bastille Day on Fête Nationale, and uh, so I was having discussions with them, and the the members of the band were saying, "Oh yeah, we should do this song. It'll be it'll be great." And then we should do three others by the same. Um, uh, composer 
And I've said, well, yeah, but nobody knows those. Yeah, no, but we do. We really like those. <laughs> and, uh, and if we don't do those, that will take something away from the band. Yeah, the, the, we're not important. Like, we're in service to the audience. We're in service to two things, the song, so we need to do it as well as we probably can, and the audience. So even if we do the song well and we think no one will like it, we shouldn't do it because it's not – we're not in competition with each other. It's not a zero something. If you, if we don't do that, if we do this song, we can't do that song. Well, we could. We, it, that's not the service we're providing. It's not at that level. It's outside of that. It's we are the rival taxi firms vying for which song we're going to do. But actually, we're providing entertainment for people. So that's that's the ultimate aim. Let's not argue up here. But down there, and that's the, the mistake they're making is making it into entirely a, a zero sum problem. Yeah, there's a a clip that I considered mm-hmm. using, which was yeah. from Friends. Yeah, maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe I overuse Friends clips a little <laughs> bit. Not sure, but <laughs> don't, it, don't it was um, such a thing. <laughs> it was of when Phoebe said uh, that she's kind of has no work as a masseuse because she says i taught a massage yourself at home class and now they are yeah and <laughs> and so yeah. she lost out on business essentially yeah and yeah. and when i was mostly a corporate video producer i mm-hmm. would do blogs and and you know articles and video blogs and stuff mm. about how to make videos and how to make videos right. better yeah and there's an argument that i heard from people mm-hmm. to say, well, don't teach them to do it because then they'll do it you're, and they won't hire you to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing them out um, of a job. Yeah, yeah. But, but my view yeah. was that yeah. a rising tide lifts all ships. And if you, you increase go. the amount of companies that are using video for promotion, yeah. that's yeah. generally better. And it, it leads to a situation where it's kind of expected that you'll probably have a video on your website if you're any kind of good company. And yeah. that generally increases my likelihood of then getting hired to make videos. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, 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 there you go. I, yes. And yes. it's and it is when you look at it very simply and very closely, it's a bit like when creationists argue that evolution violates the second law of thermodynamics. They say that mm-hmm. that um entropy increases in an in a in an isolated system and, and therefore right. you can't get more order, you have to get it has to get less ordered. Mm-hmm. But they are ignoring that it's not a closed system. They're ignoring that yeah. you know we ha- the, the Earth is being influenced by all kinds of things. There's energy coming from the sun. There's there's yeah. there's all manner of stuff that's going on that is not a, a fully closed system. And so when they look at yeah. Airbnb versus hotels, they're looking at that and just saying, well, Airbnb versus hotels, that's it. And you're just you know it, yeah, obviously, yeah. if someone stays in an Airbnb, they're not staying in a hotel room. But they're yeah. ignoring yeah. all manner of other factors. Most importantly, the benefit to to the consumer as a whole of, yeah, of yeah. innovation within an industry. So it does seem that, the, in fact, in, in all these examples that we've talked about, actually the the more blinkered view, whether you're a racist or a... Capitalist. Capitalist, <laughs> yeah, is that one thing, it, it's a very close view of two competing things that are causing problems for capitalism or or racism (laughs) and and rather than a more broad view which is taking into account we are just but, but one part of a greater thing which is focused on the benefit of mankind or whatever but generally that so it's so that's 
Yeah, which is perhaps a less of a right-wing view, a more of a not right-wing view. Yeah. Mm. And also, the the uh, just occurred to me that the creationist view that evolution brings more order is also a little bit of a question because yeah. surely yeah. that's it's not as straightforward you know, as that at all. Yeah. Mm. No. It's yeah. As as usual, it's a little more complicated <laughs> than that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm not wearing my, I think you'll find it's a bit more complicated t-shirt. Yeah. I'm wearing my <laughs> equal rights for others does not mean less rights for you. It's not pie t-shirt. There you go. So, yeah. Yes, there you go. It's the other, it's, that's the other kind of term for the zero something, isn't it? Uh-huh. It's, uh, it's chopping up the pie. It doesn't mean less pie for other people. Yeah. It's not a pie. Just make a bigger pie. Yeah. Just make a bigger pie. Yeah. Just brought, yeah, zoom out and realise yeah. the whole world is one big pie. <laughs> So we're going we're gonna to play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. Yeah, so basically I'm, I'm protesting at the application of, of, of what is ostensibly game theory to, to what, on the face of it, is a game, admittedly, but it's it's utterly unfair and probably a perversion of the cognitive bias that gets manifested as the zero-sum fallacy because every time you win one, it automatically means I lose. I mean, where, where's the equity? We should, <laughs> we should be using the badminton scoring system where you don't win the point, you just win the right to win the next point uh, rather than just war. Yeah, I mean, this is... This is pretty much a zero-sum game. If I win, you have to lose. I, and to yeah. be honest, I enjoy it more. I enjoy the you losing part more than the me winning part. So, yeah, that's see, well, that is so, really why so, I get more see, that's, that's yeah. Well, then that's the it's <laughs> just, that's the that's what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a cruel it's a cruel illustration of the <laughs> inequalities of war. Yeah, brought about by well, dictators, basically. You know, you come up with the rules. You come up with a game, and then you enjoy it when I lose. <laughs> I do. I really yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I quite, I quite like it when, actually, you see, I've got a broader view of that. I quite like it when our listeners join in and guess uh-huh. the stuff. And, you see, and I feel that when I, when I as you term it, lose <laughs> the, 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 actually I'm quite if you want to I'm, call it that <laughs> I don't if you want to call it that yeah it's a gain for me because it, it, it gives me another insight into your yeah. uh, ability to interpret Trump I think and really everyone so, wins everyone in, in wins yeah yeah yeah. So, except so, you. Yeah. Sex. So. <laughs> Me. <laughs> yeah. So, it's uh, a win-win-lose situation, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, who knows? Yeah. Maybe you'll win this one and I will okay. uh, I will revel in your Suffer. success and hold you oh, up there you in, go. in and yeah. share yes, your Yes, in, in, a, in a true Northern Exposure kind yeah. of way. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. These are. What do you mean? All... I've got to let you win, right? <laughs> <laughs> These are all quotes from a speech that uh, Trump gave recently in Iowa. He visited Council Bluffs and gave a one of his kind of rally type speeches. Right. And he started out mm-hmm. talking about their governor, Governor Kim Reynolds. Mm-hmm. He said, 
You know, I helped her a lot. She was losing big time and she came to me begging. She was begging, please, sir, is there anything you can do for me? Honestly, I felt sorry for her and I endorsed her and she won in a landslide. Now she says she's neutral. She goes to De Sanctis, De Sanctimonious's events. She's not invited to mine. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's a sore loser, isn't he? <laughs> he's, you know, yeah, but he's, he's yesterday's man and he doesn't like it. Stay yeah. number two. Okay. When I return to office, the travel ban is coming back even bigger than before and much stronger than before. We don't want people blowing up our shopping centres. We don't want people blowing up our cities and we don't want people stealing our farms. So it's not going to happen. Stealing our farms? Where, where are they taking them? It's a great question. Uh, yeah. the, at the end, he, <laughs> right. he took questions from the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them asked, how are you going to help us in Iowa save our farms from the CO2 pipeline? He said, well, you know, we're working on that. And, you know, we had a plan to totally, uh, it's such a ridiculous situation, isn't it? But we had a plan and we would have instituted that plan and it was already, but we will get it if we win, that's going to be taken care of. That will be one of the easy things we do. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So business as usual then. <laughs> yeah. We had a plan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We would have, we had a plan and we would have instituted that plan except what you didn't and it was already it's an oven ready deal isn't it that's beware the oven ready <laughs> deals uh okay well okay mm, see i'm 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 both quite taken with and also therefore wary of bigger than before and stronger than before because he he does that but that's an identifiable thing even i've identified that so if i was making this up I would do that kind of thing. Not like losing big time. De sanctis, de sanctimonious. So he's made a mistake on his own gag. Okay. And did he do the plan? Right. Well, mm, so the travel ban one is quite inane, but I'm. Okay, I think I'm going to go for uh, number two is the one you made up. Okay. Yeah. And of the other two, which are you more convinced by? Uh, very strong word, convinced. Um, I think probably the CO2 pipeline. The plan, we had a plan, we would have done a plan, but we didn't okay. and we will if we won't. Uh, yeah. Number three? Yeah. Is yeah, real. Well, you know we're working on that, and you know we had a plan to totally. Uh, it's such a ridiculous situation, isn't it? But we had a plan, and we would have instituted that plan, and it was already. But uh, we will get it back if we win. That's going to be taken care of. That will be one of the easy things we do. <laughs> so, what? Based on that, <laughs> what chance yeah. would you give that he knows anything about the CO two pipeline in Iowa? <laughs> Yeah, that no, was they, that was a, a book report they, where you haven't read the book answer. Yeah, and, but, well, and it's, not like, even, it's not even that. It's not even acknowledging that a book has an author. Yeah, yeah. So you would actually say this, this is one of his middle works, and it leads <laughs> so to there were, the, the there were some yeah, verbs, but, uh, and it builds <laughs> on his earlier works, and it leads to what we come to <laughs> know as his later works. It doesn't even yeah, uh-huh. it's just talking about. It's, no, it's not. That, it's like fit that she, answer to anything. You can kind of hear him panic when she says, yeah. "You know, how, what about this pipeline?" And he's like, 
Well, you know, oh, we yeah, no, we're, we're, that'll be sorted. And then sorted. he tries, tries to laugh it off with, ah, <laughs> oh, such a ridiculous situation, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's, he has to stop himself when he says we had a plan to totally, because then he can't finish that. You can't finish that because no. you're going to say what you were going to do. And yeah. he doesn't have a clue what needs doing. No. <laughs> we had a plan so, to totally do that. And we totally, totally would have instituted that. Oh, something. <laughs> we we had a plan and we would have done it if only we'd known what it was. Yeah. And it was already. And yeah, where we. Yeah. Now, and that's going to be one of the easy things. We'd, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. despite making his answer so incredibly vague, yeah. he still made it impossible for that to be a real answer. Because the the pipeline that these people are talking about wasn't yeah. invented, wasn't kind of theorised until 2021. So he Brilliant. can't have had a plan to deal no. with it no. when he was president. And they would have instituted that plan, except I wasn't except, president. Except I wasn't, yeah. yeah except I was it. too busy stealing yeah. and hiding secret documents and yeah. complaining that I lost. <laughs> so yeah. the, the, plan, the, the pipeline brilliant. in Iowa, you know, we were talking previously about clean coal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how that is actually uh, this thing called carbon capture and storage. Yeah. And uh, that is also related to these pipelines because the pipelines are a, a way to get, they're high-pressure pipelines to get CO2 yeah. from actually mainly the ethanol and fertiliser plants, but also right. arguably coal plants, yeah. to a place where it's going to be sequestered. And, right. and in Iowa, they are trying to use eminent domain to to take people's farmland to build these to pipelines. run it across. Oh, okay. So that's what this woman, and like 80% of Iowans are against this. Yeah. And she was saying, you know, what are you going to do to help us with that problem? And he's yeah. like, oh, I've got a plan. That'll be easy. Yeah, we had a plan. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't, we, had, doesn't we would have instituted that plan. No. It's <laughs> It's just, was it something we should have addressed? Is yeah. it so, uh, no, Is it a new thing? I don't know. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll do it. Obviously, this is Trump being shit, but it's also yeah. really indicative of his people being shit because his, his, mm. it is possible that his team were aware of this being a kind of hot-button issue in Iowa and yeah. fully briefed him and he just completely yeah. didn't pay any attention. That's possible. I'm not ruling it out. But it's also possible that they didn't talk to him about it at all. Either they yeah. thought it's not worth it, he won't pay attention, or they yeah. didn't know about it. But they should. This is their job. They, they should have yeah. made sure that if he was going to, especially if he can take questions at the end, this is probably going to come up. Yeah, it'll be a big thing. Yeah. yeah. So Make is sure it, you is sound there, like you know what you're talking about. about. It's a, you, we can't do these pipelines unless we buy up your farms yeah. compulsorily. Uh, well, don't do the pipelines like that. That would be the way to answer that one. Just don't do it it'd like be, that. It'd be, do it some other way. They need way. to get it from wherever it is generated to wherever it is. It's like the, the Thelma and Louise thing we, yeah. we talked about. You know, If you want to yeah, get yeah, from yeah. Oklahoma to yeah. Mexico, we've got yeah. to go through Texas. Through Texas. <laughs> can you not do it by not going through Texas? No, <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. But at least he could have said, ah, right, that's a problem. What you've got here are two competing uh-huh requirements we need to get this stuff over to yeah, there we love so the, that they we love can the coal. use it we love the coal miners we love we the coal to, yeah we got to help They're them beautiful and beautiful the, clean coal and the coal cleaners <laughs> it's, it's a new it's a new industry yeah. um yeah yeah the <laughs> white coal clean it yeah, yeah get it out clean it they make it so clean um yeah so they got 
kind of got through that. You've got competing, two competing yeah. things. He could have said, yeah, and that's that's it's a problem. We'll come up with a solution. We'll sit down and talk <laughs> about that. I have no yeah. idea how we will deal with that, <laughs> but I can understand that for you, uh-huh. it's a pressing problem. Yeah. That's all you need to say. Yeah. That sounds like him. But, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, you also think that number one is real? I do. And um, number one. So, yeah. Is. Yeah. Fake news. Oh, fuck. <laughs> That's because two was so bland. Well, I, was I mean, thinking, is it? Because he's talking well, about people blowing with, up shopping centres and stealing farms. Yeah, yeah, yeah but then I <laughs> and thought... For, and that's why it, he's going to keep all Muslims out of the country. It felt yeah. like that was a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was the bigger and stronger thing that kind of put me off. Uh-huh. The, whereas the, the Sanctus de Sanctimonious... Mm. Yeah, making a mistake on his own gag. Done that before. That's a that's a, yeah, uh, yeah. That's a tell. Yeah. Then yeah, he might have <laughs> spotted that and then written in. Oh, I've, I've just worked out how long we've been doing this. I've only just worked out what it is you do. You listen to what he says and then you make something that sounds very much <laughs> like it, like the kind of thing he'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. what? So, what have I been thinking on this time? So that I'd means just that... be thinking I'd like him to say that out loud. Yeah. So that so means that, yes, that number two was real. When I return to office, the travel ban is coming back even bigger than before and much stronger than before. We don't want people blowing up our shopping centers. We don't want people blowing up our cities, and we don't want people stealing our farms. So it's not going to happen. Who is stealing farms? Now, farms. Where are they putting them once they've <laughs> stolen them? They're difficult to hide. Yeah. You know, have you got my farm? Nope. Nope. And it's the same. It's the same <laughs> argument of of they're coming over here in the boats, stealing our jobs. You know, paying their taxes. Stealing our farms. Stealing our farms. Yeah. <laughs> paying the taxes, propping up our economy. You know, opening on Sunday. Things like that, making making us think again about how we uh, increase diversity in our society. We don't want that. <laughs> we don't want, we want to keep them out. We want to be as narrow-minded, jingoistic, <laughs> even if it costs us our lives, we will do it. It's the principle of the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So how have our listeners done? I bet they've all outshone me. Well, we've had mm. six answers in the last hour. Yeah. Since I posted it. Yeah. And, and not one of them chose on the one. Facebook. Chose. Yeah. Both Rick and Scott thought it was number two, like you did. Mm. On, so there's something about the ridiculousness of the other two. On Patreon. Yeah. Both Kaz and Invisible Unicorn thought it was number two. Yeah. Oh. So number two is the most by far the most popular answer. Wow. Uh Tash thought it might be number three. Yeah. But Stephen Bickle is the only person who has chosen number one. So, wow! Well done, yeah. Stephen. I think that well done indeed. I think we've we've realised that actually the game isn't to choose the one least likely to be the one that Tim made up. <laughs> it's got to be the one most yeah. likely. That's where we're going wrong, people. Yeah. Pay attention. Yeah. Well, Tash did say, yeah. "I worry about you, Jim, and how far you get into Trump's mindset to be able to create these statements." <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's yeah. I kind of rely on it, which is fair. (laughs) It's fair. Yeah, has driven has driven has driven you completely tonto. I must admit. Yeah, to the extent that you really enjoy it when I fail, and by implication, the the rest of our listeners, the rest of our listeners, you've enjoyed. You see, you see what (laughs) what it's turned you into. 
<laughs> megalomaniac. So it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called a target letter is not a logical fallacy. Mm. Because Trump announced yeah. this week that he has received a letter from Jack Smith and the federal prosecutors saying yeah. that he is the target, a target at least, of mm-hmm. their January 6th investigation, which kind of we already knew. It was, yeah. It's not a surprise. So, so, no, because he kind of was at the yeah. centre of all that, yeah. was yeah. he not? But this formalises that and also gave him uh, the opportunity to go and talk to the grand jury, kind of state his case. Yeah. They gave him till Friday to decide whether he wanted to to give testimony in front of the grand jury, which he wisely decided not to. Oh, did he decide not to? Well, he or his lawyers or whatever. But but ultimately, they they talked him down. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that would have gone entertainingly for us, badly for him. Yes. If he chose to do that. From our experience of the the Mueller investigation, we know that they said, for God's sake, let's just test you on what you might say. (laughs) Okay, here's the question. And they go, oh, yeah, I did all that. Or no, 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 a thousand times no, but I did do this. Yeah. 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 And is there a camera on me? Yeah. Yeah. So he he put a post on his Truth Social website uh, saying, deranged Jack Smith, the prosecutor with Joe Biden's DOJ sent a letter stating I am a target of the January 6th grand jury investigation and giving me very short four days to report to the grand jury, which almost always means an arrest and an indictment. So right. that he is predicting that he will be arrested again and have another yeah. indictment. I think he's right. And yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we haven't seen the letter. Right. And, ah, and, and initially right. when this report came out, uh, all the people were saying, oh, we don't know what the charges are going to be. Um, mm. But some people have seen the letter and have yep. talked to the press. And so New York Times and Bloomberg reported on Wednesday of some of the contents of the letter, which are that the two two of the charges that are mentioned are exactly what was expected, which is conspiracy to defraud the United States and obstruction of an official proceeding. But the third right. charge is uh, 18 USC 241, which is conspiracy to deprive people of their rights. Wow. Which is quite an old... Yeah. Um, it goes back to kind of Ku Klux Klan days. Right. And uh, people kind of uh, stopping people from being able to vote. Stopping black people from being able to vote specifically. Yeah. And uh, and it's charged more... Where it is charged more modernly, it is yeah. it is it tends to be in kind of voter fraud cases where people have, have done something which has tried to stop people from having the right to vote or right. that kind of thing. And so in this case, it... it gels very well with Trump uh, talking constantly about how the election was rigged and all of that kind of stuff and then ginning up the January 6th insurrection and trying to get the yeah. election overturned and all of that stuff, trying to deprive people of the the result of R- their the right, vote, yeah, essentially. The right, the right to have the result that they voted exactly. for, yeah, in, as, a, as a majority, yes. So I think it's... Uh, for some people, at least, that's come as a bit of a surprise that that's something mm. that they're looking at probably charging. Yeah. Um, some people... Given, uh, a, given the history of what the entirety yeah. of the Republican Party does anyway, they yeah. could be tried for that all oh, the time. All the time. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, the, there's a there's a blog called Just Security, which is a good 
good blog about law matters and and mm-hmm. um, stuff that goes on in the capital. They didn't find it as surprising. In fact, they kind of predicted that this would probably be something that might oh, be charged okay. in this case. Yeah. But a lot of other, certainly newspapers, and, uh, have, have tend to kind of call this a surprise charge that yeah. has, that's included in the letter. Um, but, yeah, it leads to what will probably, unless Funny Willis gets in first, yeah. um, will probably be his third indictment. Um, and, yay. And yay for that, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> third time's um, a charm, surely. Yeah. <laughs> so Funny Willis is still, uh, well, in fact, she has now seated the, the grand jury in Georgia who will likely vote on whether to uh, indict Trump um, right. within the next few weeks, probably. And yeah. uh, but but meanwhile, Jack Smith will. It seemed I I was kind of thinking maybe it would happen Friday, because because mm-hmm. that was the deadline they gave him to right. talk to the grand jury, and he decided yeah. not to. So maybe they would think, well, if you can't, that that's it then. But actually, they've kept the case going. In the mean, I mean, they've kept investigating. They haven't just kind of sent the letter and then sat on their hands. They to wait. Yeah, yeah they've questioned a couple more witnesses. Um, on Thursday, they had uh, Trump aide Will Russell. Uh, appear before the uh, federal grand jury in Washington. Mm -hmm. He was an aide who was actually with Trump on January 6th and then moved to Florida to continue working with Trump after his presidency. They haven't finished their full investigation. And realistically, these investigations will continue even, you know, if a trial is set as it has been in the Florida case, the trial date has been set for the end of May next year right investigations will continue and there, there will still keep times, gathering yeah, evidence yeah. and gathering uh, yeah. you know getting talking to people and, and getting all of the ducks in a row that they can for that um because initially trump requested or trump's lawyers requested that that trial was put back to after the election the election right on, yeah. on the grounds that <laughs> he since might be he running. was running yeah. for president yeah. uh, they wouldn't be able to get a, a kind of unbiased jury which yeah yeah yeah, mm. um, and obviously that, the the prosecutors were saying, "Well, we want to try it this year. We want to do it before yeah. the end of this year." And so yeah. Judge Eileen Cannon in Florida kind of split the baby and went for May. Let's so, do it. Bef- yeah, yeah, Bef- yeah. Okay, which doesn't, which still doesn't mean that, and and this could be her because she is very Trump focused and very Trump friendly. Mm. This could be mm-hmm. her kicking the can down the road a bit, and and like come closer to May, she might be saying, "Okay, well, you know, there's still." lots to be put together and so yeah. we'll move it on yeah. a couple of months and then kind of gradually try and push it past November because I think if she had said now, yes, we won't do yeah. it until next November. Yeah, yeah. People will kind of go, wait justify a minute. Said, yeah. yeah, this is, yeah. This is not right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, pushing it back to May is kind of, you can see where she's going with it. It's a bit longer than mm. arguably, because there's, there's, you know, the people have the right to a speedy trial. That's right. like in, ingrained in. I think it's in the Constitution. In fact, right. Um, yeah. That that uh, so got the Americans hang have, about. Yeah. Being um, banged up waiting for trial. Yeah. Yes. But that's not yeah. only a thing that defendants have. The there's a there's a, a speedy trial act, which means that the state also has the right to a to a speedy trial. Right. Um, which means because if um, a defendant or their legal team try to delay ongoing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a possibility that witnesses will get will move away or yeah. not remember everything or die or that kind yeah. of stuff. So, so yeah. they don't want to allow defendants to keep pushing trial dates yeah. back. Yeah. So the state has a right to a speedy trial, like the 
defendant's right, the citizen's right to a speedy trial, it's not very well defined. And so they've, mm. there's no kind of, you can't say, well, it's in this number of days from when the indictment was handed down or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it, that will be pointed to if Cannon tries to push back that trial. Yeah. Well, they kind further. of did that. I think the, uh, the Good Law Project was saying much the same thing with the um, COVID response inquiry that was going mm. on, which the government keep trying to move it beyond the next election. So they were trying yeah. to move it beyond the local elections or the, the recent by-elections, and they're trying to move it out. But the Good Law Project keeps going, yeah, well, yeah, you can't be doing that stuff because it's, it's becoming a bit obvious that that's what you're doing. Let's just get out of office and then you'll all drop it and run and we can run and hide and live out our days in Brazil. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, so, yes, so they similar can't just thing push in off, English law. Um, yeah. in, indefinitely. Mm. And and so I think that would also mean that Jack Smith wants to get this indictment away as quickly as he can so that right. um, this will also then have a trial date set and, and get things yeah. moving rather than just putting it off and kind of getting things all competing with each other with both this yeah. and also Georgia <laughs> yeah. and also, you know, the other, the Florida case. Yeah, yeah. The thing about the 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 truth that he put out, what still astonishes me, not the, not the, the his continuing use of all caps, <laughs> but also but also that he's just stating what's going on in a way, and we'll find it in one of our headlines. Yeah, the, but the, he so he's stating the stuff, but it it can be used against him. So yes, they will <laughs> do that. It will mean almost always means an arrest and right. But well, yeah. But what? But he puts it out on Truth Social for what? So that people will send him money. Well, yes, very probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah more than half of the money that's gone into his super PAC, Save America, yeah. over the last year has gone into his legal defences rather than his campaign for president. Uh, yeah, yeah. But that, yes, when well, we kind of all always knew that was the case. Plus, some there are some loans that yeah. uh, he owes to Russian oligarchs. Yeah, yeah. coming up. As the well. weird thing is, when anyone has questioned Trump supporters about this and pointed it mm. out, mm. they're fine with it because they basically kind of equate the indictments against him, yeah, with his battle against Biden. They're right. like, well, you know, this is this is just stuff he has to go through because right. he's up against Biden. A, and Biden's DOJ is weaponized against him. Yeah. Um. So yeah, fine. The money we're sending him when we have no money and he's literally a billionaire. Yeah. You know, that should go it's, to pay his that. legal defence. Yeah, absolutely it's right. Fine. Because it's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a Trump top, uh, Trump top charges <laughs> from Biden that have, ignoring the fact that he's just broken the law yeah. and <laughs> he's, he's, nobody's above the law, but, but yeah, he needs our help because he's a poor man. He's only got half a dozen cold toilets. <laughs> That's, you know, yeah, why should a man like that not have a gold toilet? You know, have to poo on normal porcelain. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, watch the space. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. Republicans like Lauren Boebert and Thomas Massey often talk about getting rid of the Department of Education, which is obviously batshit, but based on recent events, maybe it's something we should look at on a state-by-state -state basis, starting with Florida. Newly approved African-American history standards in Florida will require middle school teachers to teach that some black people benefited from being slaves because they were taught skills. 
Right-wing pundits like Fox's Jesse Waters might complain about the way I described the standards, saying, as he did on Friday, no one is arguing slaves benefited from slavery. No one is saying that. It's not true. But two of the people who spent months drafting the standards are saying exactly that, defending their plans with a statement which read in part, the intent of this particular benchmark clarification is to show that some slaves developed highly specialised trades from which they benefited. This is factual and well documented. Of course, they wouldn't expect us to take this on faith, so they provided a number of examples. Namely, quote, Blacksmiths like Ned Cobb, Henry Blair, Lewis Latimer and John Henry, shoemakers like James Forton, Paul Cuff and Betty Washington Lewis, fishing and shipping industry workers like Jupiter Hammond, John Chavis, William Whipper and Crispus Attucks, tailors like Elizabeth Keckley, James Thomas and Marietta Carter, and teachers like Betsy Stockton and Booker T. Washington. Which is great, except, of course... Those 16 names, at least one might be fictional, at least eight were never slaves, nine of them didn't work in the industry the statement claims, only one of them actually learned their skills due to slavery, and one, and I genuinely don't know how it's possible to get this so fucking wrong, was George Washington's slave-owning white sister. (laughs) It's almost like the people who get to tell teachers what to teach about African-American history don't give a fuck about African-American history. Or the fact that none of their education personally stuck. <laughs> yeah. What? You know, whenever Mike Lindell gets mentioned, we all want to run and pull the covers over our heads and stuff pillows in our ears. Well, it's going to be a bit harder now because Walmart, amongst other retailers, have dropped his product line as a result of his continuing to peddle the stolen election myths on behalf of Trump. Lindell is calling a massive, massive cancellation in the Minneapolis Star Tribune, he said, we lost $100 million from attacks by the box stores, the shopping networks, the shopping channels. All of them did cancel culture on us. <laughs> well, not so much cancel culture as maybe just good old-fashioned consequences. As a consequence, his rage against the machines, Dominion and Smartmatic, who's machines he maintains rigged the election is leading him to sell off his own machinery at his Minneapolis factory it's not just others fault he's still got to pay the guy who did prove Mike wrong in the competition Mike ran to prove that the data he held didn't show Trump had won of course it didn't and one guy proved Mike wrong that it didn't and Lindell particularly refused to pay and got sued and now has to cough up $5 million. Oh, and Smartmatic and Dominion are suing him for, for defamation too, $4 billion. And don't forget, Dominion was successful in their defamation case against Fox News. Yeah, for all your sleepy time relaxing product line, Mikey, nothing but waking nightmares from now on. Elon Musk's continual destruction of Twitter appears so deliberate that the only explanation I can come up with is that he's involved in some kind of Brewster's Millions type deal where if he loses all his money within a couple of years, he somehow ends up richer at the end of it. But he's not allowed to tell anyone that's what he's doing. His latest attempt at dropping his hellscape site down a full inferno level is to monetize hate. Sure, the internet's been working on this for a while and social media is one of its biggest successes so far in this endeavour. But, Elon has decided just to start handing tens of thousands of dollars to hand-picked high-engagement Twitter users who have paid for verification. Of course, hand-picked means the worst possible people, like Andrew Tate, the underwhelming arsehole who is currently under indictment for rape and human trafficking in Romania, a country he once claimed he moved to because of their more relaxed sexual assault laws. 
It seems that in order to be gifted large sums of money, being a right-wing arsehole is not enough. You also have to express your admiration for Elon, which is why various hate-mongers who have criticised Musk in the past are now complaining that they aren't getting paid, despite being just as awful and dangerous as those who are. (laughs) There are two inevitable conclusions to this situation. One is that right-wing shitposting designed to promote anger and therefore engagement will increase exponentially as people compete to out-outrage each other. The other is that Twitter will continue to lose money. Shockingly, advertisers for major companies are becoming a bit uneasy about seeing their products associated with racism, homophobia and hate speech, and ad revenue has dropped by half since Musk took over. It's not like they can afford to give this money away anyway, as Twitter is in so much debt, Bloomberg estimates the interest alone will cost $300 million this year. Wow. That's a kind of the ultimate um, zero-sum thing, isn't it? <laughs> that you've got to be... You've got to, unless you're, you're really awful, you might lose out to somebody who's <laughs> yeah, even who's more, more awful. awful. Yeah. Got to be the worst. Yeah. That's... <laughs> A father of seven children and a loving husband, a description that immediately puts you on alert. No, not because it's about Boris, but there's something probably a bit dodgy about it when the description came from Trump's White House in the thick of pardons being doled out left, right and centre during the dying days of that administration. One Eli Weinstein was eight years into a 24-year sentence for two separate investment fraud schemes, in 2013 to a real estate Ponzi scheme and in 2015 to wire fraud whilst on trial for the Ponzi (laughs) scheme. So just the kind of guy that Alan Dershowitz, who represented Mr. Trump at his first impeachment, and lobbyist Nick Muzin, a longtime ally of Mr. Trump's chief of staff, should have his release petitioned for. With the lawyer team arguing that Mr. Weinstein had not received a fair trial, despite the fact that Weinstein had pleaded guilty. Trump pardoned him, commuting the sentence to time served, and he was released the same day. Grateful, humbled, and a changed man, Weinstein went straight back and started another scheme defrauding investors with lucrative deals involving, among other things, COVID-19 masks, scarce baby formula, and first aid kits bound for Ukraine. Brazen and sophisticated crimes that will cost them up to 25 years in prison. So they'll probably beat up with Trump again. <laughs> like all right-thinking people, I rushed out on Friday to catch a double bill of Oppenheimer and Barbie. Yay. Both are amazing, but honestly, I enjoyed Barbie more. Ben Shapiro did not feel the same way. Please bear with me for a moment while I come to Ben Shapiro's defence. A lot of people on the left are mocking Ben for making a 43-minute video about how much he hated Barbie. And as someone who is currently nine hours into a series of patron-only shows about how bad Michael Flatley's Blackbird is, I think this is very unfair. And that's the end of my defence, because Blackbird is very bad and Barbie is amazing. And Ben Shapiro is a little shit whose wife told him a wet vagina is a disease. In his review... Ben starts by deciding that the film is aimed at nine-year-old girls and then spends the rest of the time questioning why they would include so many intelligent references to old movies, Supreme Court cases, existentialism, the patriarchy and feminism in a film aimed at nine-year-old girls. At no point does he consider the fact that it's actually aimed at all awesome people and not fragile little shits who say that since Greta Gerwig got to direct a movie, she should shut up about how hard things are for women. (laughs) Ben isn't the only snowflake who can't cope with being told men are sometimes not great. Fox News claimed that the film has a trans agenda because it had the audacity to cast one single trans woman in a minor role. 
and Ted Cruz has repeatedly accused the film, which he hasn't seen, of being Chinese communist propaganda due to a map in the film which he claims depicts the Nine Dash Line, which signifies China's disputed claim over the South China Sea. Aside from the fact that the map in Barbie is deliberately drawn like a child's crayon drawing, has dashes and weird symbols all over the place, and the line coming out of Asia is in the wrong place, and only has eight dashes, I don't know what Ted's worried about. How many nine-year-old girls are going to get that reference? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and a brilliant tweet simply containing, I approve this message. Biden's social media team has addressed the criticism often levelled at the Democrats for not hitting back against their opponents quickly and effectively enough by making a 30-second video highlighting all Biden's accomplishments in social, health and education infrastructure improvements, continuing and expanding on that which FDR and LBJ began. Yeah, and... Well, the brilliant bit is that the narrative voiceover is Marjorie Taylor Greene's lifted verbatim for what was meant to be a vitriolic takedown criticism of Biden's government. But with Greene mentioning the vast range of programmes Biden is working on, from education and medical care to urban problems, rural poverty, transportation and Medicare and Medicaid and labour unions, over footage of the initiatives at work. Even some Republicans have grudgingly admitted the video's skillful and hilarious appeal. And I suspect bit like Starmer, they are realising there's something to be learned in using the same language of faint praise. Take out the faint bit, and it's still praise. At 42.4 million views, the tweet has hailed a new era of cross-party consensus on the effectiveness of Biden's New Deal. Ha, ha, ha. As we know, elections have consequences, and very occasionally attempts to overturn elections have consequences too. One such case is in Michigan, where Attorney General Dana Nessel got fed up with waiting for federal authorities to file charges against the 16 randos who signed certificates <laughs> claiming they had the authority to say Trump had won Michigan and decided to indict them herself. The group of fake electors who decided what they wanted was more important than the actual election result and who look exactly like you would expect that kind of person to look like, I'll put a photo <laughs> in the show notes, are being charged with eight felony counts each. Their response to the news had been mixed, with ringleader Mayshawn Maddock doubling down and claiming she was a duly elected Trump elector, despite definitely not being that. And Michelle Lundgren telling her local NBC affiliate that she thought she was signing an attendance sheet for a meeting and saying, I didn't even know what an elector was, let alone a fake elector. Yes, Michelle, who ran for a seat in the Michigan House of Representatives in 2022, <laughs> is going with the Don Jr. defence of, me? I'm too stupid to crime. <laughs> it's troubling that for so many Republicans, that's just so believable. So fingers crossed that these people get punished heavily enough that others like them will think twice before pulling the exact same shit in 2024. But I'm not holding my breath. No. Thankfully, I've not been in Britain for the last several weeks, so have grass snatches of news about the UK like I imagine the Court of Versailles did. A messenger here bringing news of the roast beef-eating neighbours across La Manche, struggling to snatch defeat from the jaws of cricket victory against the far-distant colony, and representatives of La Paix de Mer doing well in the lawn tennis championships. But I did pay close attention to what was effectively a dress rehearsal for the next election. Three seats holding by-elections for new MPs following Boris's ignominious departure in Uxbridge, a blue wall MP taking umbrage at not getting a knighthood in disgraced Boris resignation honour list, and an MP in Froome being struck off for sexual misconduct. Yet the whole of Tory life represented. Starmer's all gung-ho for all three wins, but forgot that apart from being not the Tories, he's also 
Keir Starmer, so not guaranteed to win. Labour did pull off a stunning victory in the Midlands with a massive 23.7% swing from the Conservatives greater than anything since 1997. But the Lib Dems won in Somerset and Froome and Labour had to be satisfied with having reduced a 7,000 vote majority to 495 when the Tories still took Boris's old Uxbridge constituency. Starmer says lessons are to be learned. Yeah, you need to be more than just not the Tories. Plus, you needed to have not backed London Mayor Sadiq Khan's initiative to extend the clean air zone out to Uxbridge and also backed the Labour candidate for Uxbridge who opposed it. Try being a bit bolder, perhaps. A vote for the Tories is a vote for lung problems for your children or some such. Don't make the mistake that the England cricket team did on the first day of the first test and declare that you've got enough runs only to get trounced by the opposition. Never miscount the possibility that there are still voters who think Boris put Uxbridge on the map when he didn't turn up to any community things whatsoever. People are stupid, Keir, and they also have the vote. Don't get caught out. So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this week. You'll find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Or simply tell one other person in person about how much they'd like our podcast. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump. Just like our straw man level patrons, Laura Tomsick, Renee Zed, Schmutz, Mark Wyke and Amber R. Buchanan, who told us when we met her at QED, we could just call her Amber. And our true Scotsman-level patron, Stephen Bickle, Janet Uetta, Kaz Tui, Andrew Howe, and our top patron, Lauren. Many thanks, everyone, for your continued support. It's very much appreciated. You can connect with those awesome people, as well as us and other listeners, in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fallacious Trump. And we're also now on threads at Fallacious Trump. So if enough of you follow on there it might make me feel like it's worth actually posting on there occasionally all music is by the outburst and was used with permission so until next time on fallacious trump we'll leave the last word to the donald that's right go home to mommy bye